Hello and welcome to Spoil Your Rain. This is episode 22. This is a special emergency podcast just on the recent Irish Apple tax fiasco. And I'm joined by Jack Kerwin. Howdy. So let's start with the basics. Right. I suppose the most basic way of putting it is back in the early 90s before the Celtic Tiger hit. Uh, the government made it at the time made a deal with Apple to have a very, very low uh, tax rate, or that's what is claimed by the EU. And, uh, well, the EU decided that they had to go back and fix that for... Uh, was it the Lisbon Treaty that unified all these tax codes? I think it was fiscal compact as well. Yeah. The six-pack, they call it the two-pack and the six-pack, yeah. There were these kind of fiscal agreements entered into by the Irish government that sort of made sure that we had to be more integrated. Not not the common tax group, which is a different thing entirely, but it's we had to be more in line with our partners. Well, the basic, the basic rule is you can't give state aid to corporations and yeah. tax cuts count as state aid. Which is kind of not really true because tax cuts are usually designed to stimulate some sort of growth. State aid would be in the tax credit realm. Well, I, you can I, make a good argument on tax credit. You, you make a, not a great could, argument on tax cuts. This, if this, ta- this was unified across the board, that this applied to all tech companies, whereas yeah. it seems at this point in time that it just was applicable to Apple. Now, it's important that we say at this time. Because we don't know. Because we don't know. Um, the full judgment hasn't come out, and all we've had so far is a certain amount of like leaked documents, a summary report, and the usual sort of political kick-up yeah. that happens in this country. But the basic facts of it are as follows. There is 13 billion euros plus interest has been stuck into an escrow account, which may or may not be paid to Ireland sometime within the next 10 to 20 years, depending on litigation. The fact of it is really, we're never going to see this money. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. And even if we do see this money, inflation will make it much less valuable than it is right now. The second part of it is whether or not the Irish government appeals this judgment. This has been the one that's taken over the political Mm. process. And if I listen to the Irish Times Inside Politics podcast, and we had Fintan O'Toole railing against it and going kind of a little bit off the hairy edge on that, which is fine. He he has a legitimate reason to be annoyed. But... uh, he didn't accept the idea that we should appeal this a judgment. Well, I actually think we should because we we had a finding of fact made against the Irish state that we had acted in a corrupt and improper manner, and that's a that's for the states to decide themselves. We yeah. have a Supreme Court, a High Court to deal with precisely this issue. Well, it's the thing if if there's a chance that they will say that we didn't act in an improper manner, we have to pursue it because it makes us look really bad in the future sure. for any rulings. Like, let's say it turns out that there have been some other dodgy things happening with other tech companies, then it will automatically be a strike against pretty much anything we say. Yes. Um, so there is this sort of defend the reputation of the state, but also to defend ourselves in court and go, well, hang on, we, we don't feel like we acted in a corrupt manner or whatever. See, and let's not kid ourselves. Like Ireland, the Irish state has been corrupt in a number of different avenues and areas, usually in the individual minister realm, just to hmm. be clear. We have Michael Rowry, we had Ray Burke, we had Charlie Hawley. We've had individuals within our government's over the last 30 to 40 years, who have acted in a corrupt and, shall we say, detrimental way to the state. That's a fact. Well, that I, exists. My thinking on the political side is that the people who are opposed to appealing see this as defending the reputation of the state in terms of we're not going to stand by these previous dodgy deals. But something that has been kind of ignored that I do particularly want to bring up uh, for any listeners is that 
it's important to remember this deal was made a long time ago if there was a deal made and I'm fairly confident there, there was. was Tim yeah. Cook said there was in 2013 before the suddenly he's forgotten that there yeah, was yeah. a deal but this anyway. is, he said he testified before the Senate committee uh, chaired by um, John McCain mm. in the United States yeah I mean 1991 in Cork you and I both know the economy of Cork was in a serious problem. You had an unemployment rate of effectively 50, 52 percent. Yeah. It was an economic black spot. And, you know, it, you would understand the logic of we have to make some deal for this area. We can't have the second largest city in the state in a, in a place of complete economic collapse. And there's an important thing to remember that I'm actually quite curious about some of the, the older companies that are now defunct. Um, that were operating in the same area, Did like Wang and Siemens and so on, yeah. whether they got similar deals to boost up the southern west economy of Ireland. The only thing is, is Apple's the surprise winner of all those companies, you know, 25 years on. Also, Apple wasn't that large in 1991. No, no, that's very important to remember. Apple was on its massive downswing yeah. in 91 and was only going to get worse for yeah, the next They had years. fired Steve Jobs. Yeah. There was new management. They were in trouble. Which actually is something I want to bring up for people who are saying that Apple will leave. Apple's been here a long time. and Under a number of different management teams. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is a very different thing to be moving. Like, let's say Facebook. Mm. Facebook might leave. Facebook's only been here a couple of years. They're in Dublin. Dublin is just like transient. Dozens of faceless corporations that are set up here. Apple has been here a long, long time. I mean, there's a reason why Ireland is strangely one of the few countries that has always had Apple computers. Mm -hmm. um, I believe there was a massive debate in the mid-90s about whether they were going to go for Apple as the you know, computer of choice. I would have much preferred if they had, but they yes, didn't. But at the time. At the time, yeah. There was yeah. a reasonable debate because the factories were here. But also Dell was in Limerick and similar yes. sort of. I mean, I wonder, did Dell get a deal for Limerick? I mean, that, that's a, that's, that's, that's that's a, a valid good, question. Good question. Did, did uh, the third largest city in the state get a similar deal, which was also economically depressed? I think people have to realize that the context of the late 80s, early 90s, the economies of the regions were in serious trouble. Similar to today, but actually in some ways a little bit worse. Well, the, the, I think the key difference in my view is, number one, when these uh, deals were made, um, no one foresaw Ireland's economy suddenly leaping. No, nobody like nobody foresaw 20 the Celtic places. Tiger. No. Um, and on top of that, there's the thing of, I think there, there might be a problem here of successive governments, right? So if what this would have been... Was this Fianna Fáil or was it the, the Rainbow Coalition? It was the, no, 91 was the last government of Charlie Hockey. Yeah. Okay, so you have the Hockey government, then you switch to the Rainbow Coalition. No, no, then you have Reynolds and oh, Labour. Yeah, yeah, forget so, about no, them. It's yeah. Hockey, Reynolds, John Bruton, Bertie, yeah. one, two, three, Cowan, yeah, and yeah. Hockey, I'm sorry, and Enda 1 and Enda 2. So that's at least six to seven different governments in a 25 to 30 year span. So the, the key thing as I see it is that the government before Bertie comes in had so many other issues to deal with, any deal probably went completely unnoticed for the most part. Mm -hmm. Then you get the Bertie years, and Bertie was never going to be chasing after extra tax revenue from major co companies. That that was not Bertie's area there of interest. There was also no need, because they were making so much revenue from stamp duty on housing. Yeah, there's no interest in doing They it. had it revenue coming in. Especially as a Dublin... Yes. T-Shock, it would have looked like he was deliberately going out to harm the second biggest city. And this is when the Dublin sprawl is really beginning to become a problem. Late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then, of course, you enter the Cowan government when everything starts collapsing. 
And I, I actually just wonder if this agreement simply became a thing of just no one paid attention to it. It just fell under the radar until relatively recently. I mean, there's a question the revenue commissioners have to answer because it seems to be that they did these two reviews, one in 91 and one in 2007. And so the question is, what did revenue see in 2007 in the intervening couple of decades and why didn't they... Did they see something hinky and do nothing? Probably unlikely. Did they see it and go, okay, yeah, there was a deal done, but they've employed a lot more people now and we're bringing in more revenue from the employees they have, therefore we're going to let it slide. And of course, the bigger question that is pretty much on everyone's minds, especially between the EU and US, is who actually gets what money? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is really what this whole question comes down. There's a reason the US came out with its... Yeah. Uh, statement of we won't allow the EU to come in extra yeah, national tax Cause body. Because they, they want I, to bite of the apple. Well, like. Because they are the international tax body, which I yeah. find kind of funny. Yeah, but, they are. Um, and then there's, of course, questions in the EU of should the money get taxed solely in Ireland? Should it, should it be Dutch taxed taxes? by the various yeah, different yeah. countries that products are sold in? Uh, it's and now in fairness, they are taxed in the countries they're sold yes, in. VAT yes. applies pretty much across the EU. It's just the money funnels yeah, I back. Know. But... Yeah, what has what we're dealing with right now is, and I was thinking about this last night. It's almost like it's the Philip K. Dick conundrum, hmm. to use a literary analogy, where he always talked about in his in his books. There's two villains constantly running throughout his books. There is the corporate state that is a stateless corporation that does whatever the hell it wants, and then there's the state hmm. that has armed itself to deal with the corporate state, and the individual is crushed in the middle. That's always very, the, very Phil K. That's, that's a Phil K. Dick kind of dystopian yeah. view of the world. We're nowhere near there. But what we have got is the first part. We now have corporations that have, in some ways, outgrown their home nations, are trading across the planet, have comp- have employees and place and bases of operations across the planet and how do you kind of figure out where the revenue from this goes so like okay their revenue goes back to shareholders but where does the government come in to take the bite of the apple well the bigger problem and in addition to that that I see particularly with tech companies is where is the money going i mean even stick with an apple example it's like uh, the apple 2 and the lisa you know, you're, the big problem that they had of where was the money going to fund this project while they were working on this project. Mm-hmm. And it would be very difficult to say who was in charge of what and what went to where because things that were invested into the Lisa project also went into the Apple II. And I imagine that's the same today with tech companies, that Apple might not be um, might be able to very definitely prove that a whole lot of their money has gone into improving the user interface, the operating system, and all these things. But they might have got that money might have gone into their offices in California or sure, yeah. you know some blokes down in India, God knows where. And I think that's probably where a lot of the the, the hinky money problems come in, where it becomes a sort of Hollywood tax kind of system. Where but, I mean, also they're in trouble because so much of their revenue is reliant upon iPhone sales. Yeah, like they sell a lot of Macs, mm. Mac computers. Uh, we're recording on one, but it doesn't mean that they sell an overwhelming amount of them. No. Most computers in circulation are still PC computers. Well, in many ways, I, I, w- I wonder if the, the Apple laptops are a lost leader. 
you know, you could, ma- you could make a loss in the laptops, but if you're getting the laptop and the desktop, you're buying the iPads and the iPhones because they work so well together. Yeah, they, they do have, an, they're good at the ecosystem. Mm. That seems to be something they're very good at. But I mean, the, the iOS system seems to be something they've done very well. And they did iPods first, and they did iPhones, and they did iPads. And those are the three that sort of made mm. most of their revenue, you know. But like, as I said, that's my general curiosity about like, it's hard to tell where the money actually goes with a lot of these companies. Mm. But moving on from that, on the case of the thirteen billion, a um, couple of things. One, people have been saying the money has to go into our debt, which isn't true. There's nothing stating it has to go into our debt. No, it's a suggestion that it should. Um, I would personally be on the side that it should go into our debt. Let's I'd, just be clear. Actually, are you talking about the debt or the deficit? Let's just because sometimes people. I, 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 I am actually saying the debt. Okay, the debt. So, I so to just go straight just, onto the debt. Just as to much explain possible. the difference, the deficit is the difference between expenditure and um, income yeah. per year on a year-to-year basis, what the government spends, right? We have a small, used to be much higher, but a, a fairly small but sizable year-on-year structural deficit, which we are reducing due to, at the moment, increased tax um, revenue from new people going into the labor force. So we probably don't have to do a massive amount of cuts to get rid of it. It should actually go lower by 2018-2019 to a kind of in the 300 million range which is very reasonable and doable i know that sounds crazy i know that sounds crazy to your average person listening going 300 million but really it's not and in in the context of a budget of 52 billion it's a very small deficit the debt which is what jack's talking about is the money that we have borrowed from money markets over the last 40 years that comes to fruition every year we have different 10-year bonds that come into fruition they all have interest rates and the problem is we have a debt to gdp ratio of i think it's 100 maybe 101 percent or something like that so it's very high so jack wants to take the 13 billion and reduce that to the 90s maybe 80s which makes perfect sense because it it, it opens up your economy a little bit because you have less fear my prime reason is that we don't have a particularly stable government no god knows what government we're getting in the future and my, my concern is that if the, the money doesn't just go straight into debt, is that a lot of people are going to start playing a little bit of footballs with this. Oh, could we build a stadium? Oh, maybe we should chuck like an extra two bucks onto the dole. You know, just I mean, my, my, of yeah, my, my biggest worry is if you handed $13 billion to Fine Gael, you could see the, an obliteration of our tax base. Yeah. And so that could really cause some long-term problems because they could take that $13 billion, obliterate USC, reduce income tax to 33%, and we'd be in a situation where we wouldn't be able to fund anything. Yeah. So, I mean... Th- but that, it would look good for a year. Yeah, I mean, look, they get reelected on that stuff, right? And then a year and a half later, the voters turn around and go, Jesus, why aren't the hospitals working? Because we have yeah. no revenue. You know, so the $13 billion is is out there, but it's actually it being out there without any strings to it is actually kind of dangerous because we do not, as a country, have a good history of dealing with windfalls. No. We're just not a country that when we get a windfall of cash, we blow it. Like going to the bookies and betting on all the horses. We just do not have any sort of self-discipline from a government point of view on how to spend additional windfall monies. As I said, it goes to people's pet projects or tiny bits of money to get an election. It's yeah, which is, is gone without anyone even realizing it yeah. was there. You yeah. know? Um, which you brought up the, the lowering of uh, the income tax, which we were discussing um, the problem with our tax brackets. Uh, like I, th- I was looking at this, and I think the for a single person, it's I think thirty three thousand eight hundred or something like that, where it's the cutoff point. And you're paying the forty percent tax, um, and I was finding it very strange that they, there's no. There used to be a middle bracket 
back wow. back back in the two thousand, wasn't there a middle bracket? There was a middle. Yeah, the the way it used to work was there was twenty forty two and sixty. Yeah, and that was in the late nineties, and then they got rid of the sixty, and it they they just they reduced it to forty one. So yeah. it was twenty forty one, and. The problem is what Jack's basically saying is if you're a middle-income person, you get you get hit with this enormous tax bracket, which is the 40-plus now USC of maybe 5 to 6, so that's about 45%, then you're getting taxed at the same rate as someone who's earning hundreds of thousands, which it, makes no sense. Well, this is where my, I, was, I was actually thinking about this. This is where I think the perception of public servants like Gardy teachers, so on, making huge amounts of money goes a little awry because while people do make... You know, it's while, the gross salary, yeah, it's, not it's the take-home pay. While eighty thousand looks a lot, once you've added the forty percent tax, so once you've added all the little charges and PAYE and everything else, suddenly you're looking at uh, about half of what you're actually less. Uh, you're seeing on paper, yeah, uh, which yeah. is a little baffling because I, I do feel that, especially for our generation, it's going to be a severe problem in terms of saving. That once you're hitting. 33-ish thousand, most of our generation is still, as you've said before, staying single, not having kids, that we're getting hit with these massive taxes that make saving not impossible, of course, but it, it it's a disincentive, mm. you know? I mean, I would be, when it comes to tax policy, I think we need to do two things. We need to make the USC more progressive than it is. So that if you get a raise, you don't get immediately fired into this enormously new tax bracket, which yeah. does happen to people. So if you get an extra hundred bucks a year, you're now getting you're now paying a couple of thousand more in taxation, mm. which is a disincentive to go for a, a raise or for a higher position, which is dumb. Yes, because suddenly you're looking at great. I'm not getting two thousand bucks. I'm actually looking at losing four hundred. I'm bucks. net losing money yeah. even in some cases. So that needs to get looked at, and that's a small tweak. That's not like yeah. the end of the world. So the USC is a relatively good tax because it sort of it hits everybody and you can't really run away from it. Um, the income tax, I think you're right. I think we should raise the cap for the 20%. So the 20% will continue to like, you know, 38, 39,000. Yep. And then we have a 40% and then we can have a 60% for the super high earners. Mm. Um, or else what we could do is we could just graduate our property taxes for the super high earners because if you're a super high earner you're going to own a very expensive house yeah. and you know what you can't take your house in a bag to panama no that's, that's true. the <laughs> one thing about property taxes they're handy you can claw back revenue from wealthy people on that and actually we have the second our second property tax which is the non-principal residency tax is quite high mm. deliberately to stop that kind of the sort of the non-dom situation in the uk well, with russian people owning like you know a third of london and not living there. well it's also especially good for and because as we saw during the last boom the amount of people who were buying secondary homes that they were barely using yes. that inflated like i know in claire in particular a lot of people bought second holiday homes that yeah. like even within the county which makes yeah, no sense why would you need that yeah. as well why would you need to like, have a nice house in a village and then you'd rent a house in the middle of nowhere for your holiday home. I don't, yeah. In the same county, half an hour away. I, that but, doesn't make a lot of sense. It's the it, asset thing. Yeah. But the problem was is that a lot of people thought this would be a good investment and that higher tax acts as a fairly good disincentive for, again, the middle income earners not to make that 
quite grievous yeah. error. I think this is the other thing. Sometimes tax policy is not about making revenue. Yeah. It's also about disincentivizing behavior. And I think a lot of right-wingers hate that because they're like, oh, no, no, you got to be able to free to do stuff. Well, no, sometimes people do make egregious errors. Yeah. And, you know, if the tax code makes it that little bit harder to go through all that, you might take a second look before you do it. Well, think about it this way. We've already, if you have an argument against it, you have to have an argument against taxing cigarettes and alcohol because it's the same, same basic principle. Same idea, yeah. You're, Except in that principle, the problem is that you've just boosted and inflated the black market to uh, this yes, point where the, now it's the, really high. It, it is got And now we've got the soda level. tax and nobody knows how the hell that's going to work because as I keep saying, you know, you can, well, you will now drive to our mat and fellas will sell you Fanta out of the back of a well, car. Look, I, I, I've got a bottle of Coca-Cola here and uh, I don't know if most people in Ireland have noticed, but suddenly... A full bottle of Coca-Cola is in two liters. It's one liter, 75. Yeah, they're so they clever. keep the price yeah, the yeah. same. Yeah, they're, so they're, they're figuring out ways to get yeah. around it. I mean, the other Which thing... really that, just screws the consumer. <laughs> the thing about taxes in this country is if you read the paper or watch RTE or listen to any of the sort of Dennis O'Brien affiliated media, which is about two-thirds of it, then what you are aware of is when you hear tax, you think that all of the revenue for, that powers the state comes from your paycheck taxation when it does not yeah basically about 60 percent of our taxation roughly comes from income corporation and the usc tax and 40 percent comes from consumption taxes yeah we have extraordinarily high consumption taxes 23 percent vat plus excise duties on alcohol, tobacco, cigarettes, and a few other items. What that means is we tax consumption at such a level that we actually are disincentivizing people to spend, right? And if we want to boost indigenous Irish companies, not the foreign nationals who don't care about that because they're, mm. they're, they're working across the planet. They don't give a damn about 23% fat. It's the Irish companies that care about that. If we were to reduce our VAT rate, we would actually generate more revenue. Well, actually, tax rate, we, we keep talking about tax cuts from an income point of view because that's easier to explain to somebody, right? Yes. It's easier to sell. We're going from 40 to 30. It seems to me that the smarter policy, takes a little bit more time to explain, is to go, we're going to go from 23 to 10. Yeah. Across the board. We're going to remove this 9% for whatever, for hotels and all that. It's just going to be 10 across the board. Everybody's going to have to do it. We're going to make sure the revenue commissioners force companies to f make it go down. Well, and I think we would actually boost consumer spending in a good, positive, healthy way. Well, the thing that I think a lot of people in Ireland tend to forget is that, right, I will often give out about, you know, more isolated rural communities wondering why things are more expensive. And the simple answer, of course, being you're an isolated rural community and it's a pain in the ass to get shit to you. Mm -hmm. And this is true of Ireland as well, mm -hmm. which is why things are more We're expensive. We're an island, yeah. And the reason that our uh, VAT and various other taxes are so high is because, well, up until roughly the time when this deal with Apple was made... We didn't make money off the big corporations. Mm -hmm. We made paltry, I think, less than 10%, less than, I think it might have been something like seven. It wasn't that much. It was, it was a very small a amount of revenue. Yeah. Bucket. Um, and I think part of the problem is, is that there's never been any serious discussion on a grand reform, I suppose, of tax, which means, like, this, this Apple deal is actually a good example of something that made perfect sense of its time. 30 years ago. Dragging on and making no sense now. Um, now, I will agree that there have been some people pointed out that 
if a deal was made, we probably could have got a slightly better deal than the one we gave them. We don't tend to do um, good deals, yeah. We were pretty bad at well, uh, you know, Carve is a good example of that. <clears throat> but um, it does have to be looked at without, without having the fear that suddenly all the corporations are going to leave. Because th- that, that constant fear leads to a general thing of like, well, we better just do whatever the corporations want in order for them to stay, which leads to a very difficult way to run a state. Well, it means you're not actually running a state. What you're running is a business emporium. A, a, a holiday hotel. For yeah, them. yeah. And I think part of it is this. Like, we are offering phenomenally low corporate tax yes. rates and infrastructure to help these companies set up here. The IDA do a really good job at helping these companies out. We've got an educated workforce. We've got a number of very good universities. There are graduates coming out, yada, 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 right? We've got all these good things. The, there is no stick that we apply to the companies. Hmm. And it seems to me that the most basic stick to apply is you must make a guarantee in a contract that you guys will be here for 10, 15 years minimum because we're giving you foregone revenue with these low extra extremely low tax rate and in return you're going to be here for a while and that seems to me a fairly fair bargain if i'm going to a boardroom of a major multinational corporation and i say i secured us a 15-year deal of course the board's going to go for that 15 years it's stable things aren't going to change Ireland is not going to have a coup tomorrow morning at 3 o'clock in the morning. We're not going to have the army tanks on the street. We don't have that We're kind of political situation. boring political Very country. boring, yeah. We don't have the kind of upheaval that other countries would have. It's, that, uh, all, that offer similarly low tax rates. Speaking of our voting system, it's designed to keep stability. Yes. But uh, I think there's another aspect that's lost that... There's no problem. I have no major issues uh, with corporations paying less than 12.5%. On the condition that whatever cut we're giving them, they're putting into innovation here, mm. which is, I think, I think it's no secret to anyone in Ireland that part of the problem that people have with a lot of these companies is that a lot of them aren't innovating here. No. We're turning into just their administrative centers, call centers, various call centers, like yeah. which is good. I'm not going to complain, mm. you know, beggars can't be choosers, but at the same time... If well, I think give- that's, that's, that's the thing. We're no longer beggars can be choosers. Yes. We were yeah, that. Actually, that's a fair point. 91, yeah. that's what we were. Yeah. We're not 91 anymore. We're not a semi-developed um, the- theocratic state yeah. attempting to blindly find our ways well, out of a cave. A state- we are now a real country. With, with, which actually has to ha- get some real responsibility on how we gonna how are we gonna deal with the fact that two thirds of our economy is dominated by foreign companies. Yeah, and ha- nobody has figured out how to do it. Nobody has come up with a relatively good solution as, for it. As you brought up before we started the podcast, the ridiculous numbers earlier in the year that everyone probably remembers us talking about, but. Um, of the, what was it, 300%? Yeah, we had like growth. a 300% GDP growth in a month because a couple of companies posted enormous profits, enormous, um, basically, revenue went through them, and this affected our national GDP. And, and the thing is, thought, we can't look at GDP anymore. Yes. Because everyone of thought that we were laughing stock. We used the same calculations as everyone else. The problem is, is that the Irish economy does not work like every other economy. We're a small country, so a single it's, it actually reminds me of um, Nokia. Yeah. 
Remember when Nokia collapsed and suddenly the entire economy... Is it Finland? Finland, Finland was in trouble. The entire economy of Finland was in the shitter because of one giant company. Yeah, it's like cash crops. Yeah. It's modern-day cash crops. Oh, the peanuts didn't work this year. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's the same... Goodbye to your country. Yeah, it's the kind of similar problem. If you put all of your eggs in one basket, these things will happen. Yeah. Um... But we think we have enough baskets now. We do. And I also think that we should, the government should not focus on GDP anymore. We should make a decision. GDP should be the realm of the Department of Finance, and GNP should be the realm of the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform. Because we actually divided our finance departments mm. into two. Now, it was done for kind of wishy-washy, semi-BS political reasons in 2011, but now that it's actually done, we can use that bifurcation to our advantage. Yes. We can say, look, because we have so much external factors in our country our national finance department should look at that in a different way but we also have this indigenous national economy that should be looked at by this other department mm. so you divide it up we used to have in the 70s a department of the economy it's the same yeah. idea it's you break it up so that they do well, different we're looking things. at our international economy like in the country and their intranational the intranational, corporations that yeah. are covering everything else yeah and of course an intranational includes us in the north as well and all their agreements we have with them again another thing i just want to because I, I did see an awful lot of people talk about these companies leaving particularly tech companies something i want to remind people the amount of giant server farms that serve all of europe Microsoft and Google and a number of other companies that are set up in Ireland that you don't move. You don't move a giant server no. farm. It just it doesn't happen. And it's important to remember that they're set up in Ireland not because we're cheap, but because climate-wise, we're good. Mm -hmm. We're a good bet. And there's also like no earthquakes like in Italy and things like that. No so earthquakes here. No yeah. massive thunderstorms like in the, the Grand Plains of the Eastern European areas. Mm -hmm. We don't get horrifically cold winters that have to be worried about. Yeah. We're stable. Yeah. Which is why you... Temperate climate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good summation of the issues. The last thing I think we should talk about just briefly is the political aspects of yes. this. So we've, we've talked about the whole issue. We've talked about all the, the ins we and outs. we touched on some of the political stuff. So here's, here's where we are right now. We have, as Jack said, a remarkably unstable government. Minority government, minority government, not like our previous minority governments. This isn't like Lamas in the 60s. Like people think about, think that it is like Lamas. Sean Lamas in the 1960s was maybe seven, um, votes short of being able to pass whatever he wanted yeah these guys are 20 plus votes short of being able to pass anything that is not the same situation this is a minority government being propped up by Fianna Fáil and well, some independents something people forget they're being propped up by Fianna Fáil basically saying we'll just not participate yeah you know I mean that's somewhat insane they're basically saying like Okay, you can do what you want until we decide we don't like what you're doing. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's like the wonderful schoolyard bully situation. Uh, but we had a situation where the cabinet met last week, or sorry, this hmm. week, to discuss this matter. And it was assumed because Fine Gael were so hard out of the trap saying, look, we got to um, deal with this arrangement. We're going to have to come out. We're going to have to appeal it. And the independent ministers did what I assumed they were going to do, which was go, whoa, hang on. There's 13 billion on the table. Yeah. And so now there's a bit of back and forth, and it seems like the as of recording at this moment, this could change, is that we're going to have a dull debate next Wednesday, and we are going to appeal it. But at least there we're actually having some parliamentary input, which is important yeah. because if a, if a government that only commands a minority support in 
the parliament makes a decision of in, of national importance in this circumstances there are actual consequences of doing that it is not exactly the most democratic thing in the world to do but also it is subject to challenge too but there's an important thing that i think a lot of people missed is why these independents are challenging this it's not just that this 13 billion it's that these independents almost all come from poor areas rural areas that the notion of even a percent of 13 billion it's possibly going to their county is yeah. huge and if they're looking at potentially i mean i wouldn't be surprised if there is another election within a year and even yeah. a couple of months um if there is another election they don't want to be the guy who said no to 13 billion yeah because you know it'll be run against them yeah in the, in the easily. election yeah, yeah easily yeah. um especially because a lot of these guys are ex fina fall and if fina fall decides to come out against this and they were shown to be for it they lose Actually, Vinfall's in a really tricky situation because it, it seems that their senior leadership are in favor of appealing mm. this because they're the guys who are connected to the guys yeah, who they, negotiated they, these deals. The basically. younger fellas seem to have a totally different view of it. And so there is a bifurcation within Fianna Fáil. It is not a unified party. It is not your father's Fianna yeah. Fáil, where it was hail to the chief, hail to the leader, don't you dare step out of line. Mm. It is not that kind of party. I mean, at the moment, Michal Martin is sort of on a rocking chair, sort of having to listen to the members in a way that no Fianna Fáil leader has had to deal with in quite a long time. So he obviously is in favor of appealing this because he was in government and he had to you know his fingerprints are on these well, kind he of was deals. in government for about what 10 years, 10, years 10, the whole 15 years yeah. so, so he's, he's he can't involved. really go i had no idea because he yeah. wasn't he the minister of finance no he was the minister no. of foreign affairs foreign affairs yeah no. he's i can't remember he's, he's had connected. a lot of ministries he has yeah. he's connected so but the younger guys have no connection yeah. and they're willing to do the typical opposition thing which is that's ah, terrible we would never do that but they have the senior leadership yeah. who are like hang on we're involved with this and people we know yeah. are involved with this and we can't set our own guys up. So it'll be interesting to see if they abstain. Do they vote in favor or do they abstain? It's what do they do? It's a point because it, it does speak to a massive problem. Of course, of course, Fine Gael wants to appeal that Fine Gael has always wanted to be the good, nice boys on the EU table for Ireland. They're also corporate. Yeah. But with Fianna Fáil, it's a bit trickier because yes, they're, they're corporate, but they're much more nationalist, much less inclined to like help out the EU. But they're not against the EU. They're not that. They're not like the the nationalists in other they're like EU Sinn countries Fain, who are like totally against yeah. it. Yeah, they they they're not against the EU. They're just very much like we'll play along. What do we get? You know, it? because they, yeah. Fianna Fáil has always relied on the general thing of like if something was really against the Irish people, the Irish people can vote against it, and they can just go. Sorry, lads. Well, no, Fianna Fáil are yeah. great. They go, there go my people. I better go follow them. Yeah. Yeah, they're good for that. Um, I do think, though, that this is a political crisis, a real one, not this Olympics. Uh, also an interesting thing. one because how many of the other parties haven't been quick to capitalize on sort of shows how complex It's complicated, this is. yeah, and it's hard to... You don't know really what to do about it because yes. it's got all these moving parts and you don't really know what to do. And also, we still don't have all the facts, which always makes but it more yes, complicated. Yes, I mean... This is this is the tricky thing is that it's obvious. You could look at the numbers and go, it's obvious that the, the deal was made, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you're looking at numbers that have moved around a lot over a number of years, and you're looking at a quite significant problem, which is that appealing means it looks like you're throwing away thirteen billion. Not appealing makes it look like you're just trying to screw over corporations. Whether or not either of these things are actually true, true. yeah, exactly, does not matter. I wonder how the populace 
generally, as in the citizens of the country, really are going to view this. Because I wonder if they'll just go, this is some complicated financial crap, which I don't understand. And I think they're cynical enough to go, we're never going to see that. And I wonder yeah. if just their natural cynicism will just go, ah, away. I, I th- as far as I can tell, that's been the, there's been sort of three points of view. Ah, how bad was it that we made this deal? Mm. Um, three, oh no, they're all going to leave if we, we get, they get screwed in this, which is not going to happen. Like, I, don't, I think these people forget how expensive it is to relocate mm-hmm. these kind of offices, especially with the connections they have here. Um, and then there's three, exactly what you say is like, 13 billion would be nice. But like, you know, yeah. probably won't happen. Probably I mean, happen. I'm not going to see any of it. Like, yeah. you know, it's the thing of it would be three grand for everyone in the country. That's I think, never gonna happen. I think the, political, the political part of it is this actually isn't going to affect Fine Gael in any major way because Fine Gael's... They're doing exactly what their voters would want them to do. That's exactly it. And also they are at this position now where they have returned to their mean... Yes. Their mean amount of seats is 50 seats. That is the average amount of seats they've gotten going all the way back to the 30s. They got on average 45 to 50 seats. They've just had a weird shift from where they're, they're so being basically, voted from. So basically, in the next election, they stand to pick up seats. Hmm. Not lose seats, pick up seats. So if they make their current voters who voted for them happy, then they're doing nothing wrong. Fianna Fáil are in trouble. Because they have to make a decision on how they want to deal with this. Sinn Féin have not really come, up, come out with any decision because they're being clever. They're going to sit and quietly watch and see what happens. Uh, other little parties are doing the clever thing and going... I, I imagine the little parties have figured out that most people in Ireland don't know how to actually feel about this. No. Um, because, again, there are some people who haven't quite grasped that this is an attack on a 12.5% rate. Most people still haven't copped onto that bit, to be fair. Mm. But uh, the, So the small parties are doing the thing of, well, we don't have to do anything. What's going to happen is that if the independents push the issue and Which Fianna they, Gale, seem to be and doing. they seem to be doing, then they, it doesn't fall on Fianna Gael, no. it falls on Fianna Fáil to decide well, yeah, whether the, we appeal or not. That's I mean, going to be what happens. The recorded vote on Wednesday, if there is a recorded vote on Wednesday, it'll be very interesting to see how it comes down. Because this vote is going to be the first vote of the government on the government's kind of competency in yeah. government, right? So in the last couple of months... they've Whether been, this is actually a sustainable arrangement. Yeah. So... It's going to be we're the third of September now, so this will be mid mid you know early yeah. September next week. They have to win this vote, or at the very least, not lose it terribly badly. If you lose it by one vote, that's not too bad. Yeah. Um, because if they lose this astronomically, if if Fianna Fáil go total hardcore, you know, um, populism on it and just vote it down, then. What does that say about the budget that's coming in five weeks' time? Well, this, see, this is that these are all connected. We've got a budget that has to pass. I think a lot of people don't realize this. If the budget doesn't, because we haven't had a government that yes. fell over a budget since 1981, and it always falls over something stupid. stupid. Yeah, and this is possibly the something, something stupid. stupid. So the question is, like, if the if the government can't pass a budget, that's it. Game over. Restart. Yeah. We all have to go back and vote again in the winter time. When the electorate is at its most pissed off. Which, again, leads even to the bigger questions of what the hell is going on with Brexit and this Apple situation yeah. while everyone's trying to figure out who runs the country next. Yeah, and I don't see a majority government being returned. No, I, I actually, I'm standing by my general long-term prediction that this is going to force cooperation between parties, that they're not going to be able to have their hard stances like they used to. Not that they're going to make coalitions, not in the same way they used to. 
No. That they're going to There'll have be to, loose arrangements. Though. Yeah, they're going to have to make agreements that maybe, you know, Fina Gael and Fina Fall say, okay, so on economic stuff we team up, but, you know, Fina On go, social yeah, issues we won't. You yeah. know, Fina Fall might go to the other parties and go, look, on social issues we're more with you. Yeah, yeah. It's not an ideal situation, but I think that's what's going to be the long term consequence. Sort of, of coalitions this. of votes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I don't think we're going to be able to have a majority government for another seven ish, maybe 10 ish years. Like a it proper would, solid majority. Yeah, well, we haven't seen one since <laughs> '77, true. so it's not like well, we, I, I'm including the coalition. Oh, so right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. even we ridiculous. Had an overall think about majority it, yeah. since '77. I mean, how long? Like that's 40 odd yeah. years ago. So yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Where this is a test for the government. What'll happen? We don't know. Um, it's interesting that the Fianna Fáil are the ones who really are in trouble. Mm. Like okay, yes, they have the power, right? Because they, they have to yeah, make a decision. With, but they're with also great power comes, comes great responsibility. responsibility. <laughs> but also they're riveted by it. So it'd be interesting to see what they end up doing. Fine Gael actually kind of I don't see how this is particularly bad for them. Well, their voters are in favor of this appeal business. They haven't pissed off their voters. Well, here's the strange thing: for a government that has largely been criticized in many ways for being a little wishy-washy, these guys are pretty news, definitive. They the announcement was made. They said what they were doing. And they're not backing down from that. It's literally the ball is in everyone else's court. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely nothing to do with Fianna Gael anymore. What happens? I mean, this is this is much like um, actually just after the vote. Yeah. When they were like, "Well, you guys uh, voted this way. It's not up to us to make a government. We had a government. You guys didn't like it. So now tell you us know? what you want to do. So, th- yeah, th- yeah. It, which is a very good ploy for Fianna Gael. That's that's the way they actually managed to hold on to their. It's interesting because yeah, because they've never been in this position before. Mm. I always keep forgetting this is new for Fine Gael. Yes. This is a very new, strange experience for them to be in a kind of position of power and kind of being the only really cohesive party, which is hilarious yes. to say that about Fine Gael. While they're currently having massive scrambles for who might be leader. Yeah, yeah, who's the next boss? But it's a, but that's the strange thing. They, they While there's a scramble for who's going to be boss, overall, they're kind of pretty much much of a muchness in terms of their policies there's no major well they kind of cleared out the ideological decks the last election yeah the, no, the, lefties, still... all, the lefties in Fine Gael, yeah. a lot of them went down in flames well the thing is and the right wingers all got driven out the they're, hard still, right, anyway. they're still there but they're they're much much like um all right the, the american republican party back in the 80s people were republicans not because they all agreed necessarily because they all disagreed against the Democrats. And in yeah. this case, unified. You yeah. know, Fine Gael, like, yes, they still have their religious chunk and their right wing trunk and all these different bits. But overall, they pretty much agree on the general policy that they want to pursue, mm-hmm. just not necessarily how they want to present themselves to the country. That's right. They're basically deciding on what jacket to wear. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, we'll, we'll probably have a follow up once we get a sense of the vote and what the hell happened. But. Um, yeah. I mean, this is just going to roll on for the next 10, 15 years. I mean, the, 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 the $13 billion issue. It's not going to turn up tomorrow. It's not going to be part of the budget. Yeah, you've got, you've got Ireland and the EU and a giant corporation working together. That's a great recipe for 20 years of rubbish. Yeah, so th- this will be the... Yeah, that'll be it. Um, I think that's about it. I think that wraps up what we know, anyway. So this has been uh, an emergency quick podcast just to bring everyone up to speed on what's happening with uh, the EU and taxes and Apple's mysterious $13 billion in escrow account. And it's been me, Jack Kavanagh. And me, Jack Kerwin. And thank you all very much. <laughs>